0: This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, words that we all know pretty well, I believe. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it we saw you a stranger and welcomed you? Or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? Then the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and for his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will, answer, they, they will answer, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? They will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteousness into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Normally in this service I preach without a mask on. Because there's no one in the room, but me and Jamie. Jamie's way up in the crow's nest up there, and it's just me down here. So I feel like it's okay to take off the mask and to preach without this on to you. Because we, we, we pre-record this before we do the rest of our worship together. So if you watch the worship portion, you'll see me in the mask. But we, we pre-record this part before we do our worship part. These things here have become... Part of our life in this season, haven't they? We've become kind of used to them. It, for me, honestly, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like getting in my car and my seatbelt comes on. I put my seatbelt on. It's kind of become habit now. It's been interesting preaching with mask on during the season. I preach our driving service with the mask on, and then um, in. 11 o'clock, traditional, I have a face shield that I'll wear. But I wear the mask until I put my face shield on. But it's interesting with me preaching with a face shield, where you can see my lips moving, moving, but I can't see your face. It's interesting for me to know, to, 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 to look out in the crowd and see a bunch of masked faces. Because here's what you don't understand about preaching, perhaps. Many of you hear me and have heard me and heard, heard, said to me, we, don't want you, we, we like when you don't wear the mask because we can see your lips move. And I'm, I don't know if y'all know, I preach rather fast to begin with. So me not having a mask on kind of helps people read my lips and understand me a little bit better. But here's the thing. You have no idea what my expression is like under my mask right now, do you? You don't know if I'm smiling, if I'm frowning or anything. It isn't until I take the mask off that you can see the expression upon my face. You can see that, yay, I'm happy, or I'm angry. It's hard to read expressions without a mask, with a mask on. It's hard to see what's really happening with somebody without the ma- with them, when they have the mask on. So I'm preaching to a, to a church on Sunday mornings, and they're masked, and I, I don't know, man, I'm really killing this. They're really happy. They're enjoying this sermon. They're with me. Or I'm th- could be thinking, man, they're miserable. <laughs> Their faces look miserable. I can't tell because of the mask. Now this mask now is keeping us safe and it's protecting us and all that. But when you wear it, it's kind of hard to to see what's happening underneath. You know, I'll have people say, "Hey, I, I did. I, did, you, did you see me out the other day?" And I'll say, "Well, no, I, I didn't. I didn't see you had your mask on." And plus. Well, my glasses—they're fogged up half the time because of it, anyway. As well, so it makes it kind of difficult to to see. The mask hides what's happening underneath, doesn't it? The mask keeps us from seeing. You know, we uh, we um, just finished Halloween, didn't we? And Halloween, everybody wears their costumes and. You can't always see what somebody is. The best costumes are the ones where you really can't even tell who the person is because they're all um, configured funny or have a funny mask on or a funny disguise on. You know, I've always liked the spy movies where the where the spies get all dressed up in their costumes, and their disguises, to do their covert operations. I, I read a book one day about the Israeli CIA, the the uh, the. Um, uh, the, the the name escaped me. The Israeli um, the Israeli CIA the the Mossad and uh, the stories about how they would dress up in disguises and it's fascinating to see how we as people can hide our faces, can hide ourselves and disguise ourselves. And we often um, most of us now see that as either something frivolous like Halloween or something necessary like the mask. But today's text. As I read it, I thought about masks. I thought about disguises. I thought about not being able to recognize what was happening or what was going on. So I think our text kind of points to that fact. Today is an interesting day in the life of the church. You heard me talk about this in our introduction to the service this morning. Today's a Sunday called Christ the King Sunday. If you followed our Rooted in Christ, our was it not Bible studies that, I, that I've been doing? Uh, one week I talked about how the church year works. Today is actually the last year of this church year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. So the church year starts over. The last Sunday of the church year is a Sunday that's called Christ the King Sunday. It's a Sunday set aside where we talk about, we think about, we reflect upon the fact that Christ is King. Scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. We will, Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. So Christ the King Sunday is a Sunday set aside for us to think about and ponder and reflect upon the fact that Christ is King. And I think that's also especially important the week of Thanksgiving. For us to think about on Thanksgiving what it means for Christ to be King of kings and Lord of lords. What does that look like? What does that mean? So it's interesting to me that when we think about Christ being Lord, we think about Christ the King Sunday. I come back to, I think, one of the things that we struggle with as Christians. One of the the things that I think we get sidetracked with is I think we misunderstand what it means to think of Christ being king. Because this is what we do, y'all. And we do. we, we, We do it. I do it. You do it. We live our lives. in the, we live our lives thinking as though that maybe one day, possibly, Christ will be king. That his kingship is a future thing. That one day Christ will return and that Christ will one day, possibly, perhaps, maybe, potentially, one day be king. We, we think of it in that way, that one day Christ will be king. That is not what scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that right now, in this moment, Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christ's kingship, Christ's lordship is not something that will happen one day in the future. Christ's kingship, Christ's lordship is something that happens now. His kingship is not a future thing. His kingship is a, is a present thing. So we often live in the mindset that one day Christ will be king instead of living in the mindset that right now, In this moment, Christ is king. Christ kingship is not a future thing, not a one-day thing. It is a now thing. It is a present thing. It is a today thing. It's not that Christ will be Lord one day. Christ is Lord today. So the question then is, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean for us today to say that Christ is Lord? And I think that's why that passage we read today is so important. I think that's why that passage matters so much is it lays out for us what it means to think about that Christ is King. One of them. Earlier, heresies that their church confronted was a heresy that believed that only the gospels were inspired, that the rest of the Bible was not inspired, that the gospels were really the only true part of the scripture that was inspired and we could get rid of the rest of it. The rest didn't really matter. And the church said, no, 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 that's not right that all of Scripture is equally inspired. Now, the Gospels are unique because the Gospels do give a special insight to the heart of God, but we do not believe that the Gospels are any more inspired than the rest of Scripture. I think the Gospels are unique, but they're not more inspired than Romans or Hosea or Deuteronomy or or Galatians. It's all equally inspired. I'm saying that to say this. We believe strongly, I believe strongly in what we see and know in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. That God gave us the only begotten Son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. I believe strongly in Romans ten nine. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth you shall be saved. As Paul tells us over and over again in Galatians and Ephesians and all of his works, that we are saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. That our salvation is a matter of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ is the avenue and the door and the path for salvation. We're saved by grace through faith alone, lest no one can boast. That is the simple gospel. We are saved by grace through faith we believe that with all that we I believe that with all that I am that is the core of my message as a preacher that's why we do altar calls all the time that's why we do that's why we do altar calls at our drive-in service i mean i do an, i believe in an altar call cuz folks need jesus so we believe that that our that our, that salvation comes by grace through faith cool check so what do we do with this passage What do we do in Matthew 25? Because to me, when I read Matthew 25, I come away with the reality that how I treat the poor and the sick and the prisoner, how I take care of the naked, how I care for the least of these, When I read Matthew 25, it seems to me that in some way, how I treat the poor will have some effect upon my eternity. Because what do we see when we read Matthew 25? What is the line of division? What is the thing that separates the sheep from the goats? It's how they treated the least of these. It's how they treated the least of these. I think this passage teaches us that when we come to understand that when Christ is Lord, that when Christ is Lord, that in Christ's kingdom, and under Christ's lordship, all people are loved by Christ. And the effect of sin, the effect of sin that's created poverty, and the effect of sin that's created disease, and the effect of sin that's created all these things we suffer with, when Christ is king... These things are done away with. So our job now as Christians is to live in the reality that these things are being defeated. These things have been crushed under the feet of Christ. and That we should live to undo these things. And so our brothers and sisters that are sick, it's our job to care for them. Our brothers and sisters that are in prison, it's our job to visit them. Our brothers and sisters that are naked, it's our job to clothe them. Our brothers and sisters that are hungry, it's our job to feed them. When Christ is king and when Christ is Lord, we should be at war against the works of the devil. And the works of the devil are running rapid in our world. And we are called, we are demanded by the gospel to do this. See, the way I think it works is this. I believe that when we, when we are saved by grace through faith we become a Christian, we become a different person, then that's going to affect how we live. So taking care of the poor does not save us. Taking care of the poor does not redeem us. Christ redeems us. But because I am saved, because I am converted, I am compelled to care for all of God's children and care for for the least of these. Matthew 25 makes that obvious. See, the thing that gets me about Matthew 25 is this. When you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. Or when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Mother Teresa once says that we meet in the poorest among us. We meet Jesus in a terrible disguise. When we see the poor and the sick, the prisoner and the hungry and the naked, Do we see them as Jesus in a mask? Do we see them as Jesus in a terrible disguise? We are called as Christians. We are commanded as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, to see the least of these. As Jesus in a terrible disguise. And when we serve them, when we care for them, when we love them, it is though we are serving Christ Himself. It is though we are living for Christ Himself. It is though we are giving our devotion, our worship to Christ Himself in that way. But here's I think what else happens in that. I think whenever we serve them as we are serving Christ, we find Christ there in our midst. And in that act of service, in that act of service, Christ transforms us. So when we serve the poor, it isn't just that that it isn't just that um, we serve them as we would serve Christ, but in that act of service, we commune with Christ. In that act of service, we meet Christ. In that act of service, we encounter our Savior. For we find in these least among us, we find Christ in a terrible disguise. And when Christ is Lord, we see him for who he is. And we see each other as persons made in the image of, Christ, in the image of God. We see each other as people for whom Christ came, died and Christ came to save. And we see the worth of all of these of each person that we meet. Christ in a terrible disguise. So what are we called to do? Because so often these sermons kind of end there. Go out and see your neighbor as you would see Christ. Benediction, go home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I've been to a lot of sermons like that myself. But I think we've got to do something, y'all. I think we've got to do something. No matter where you live, no matter what part, no matter, no matter where you're watching this, no matter where you're watching this, if you're watching this in the Jackson Metro area, if you're watching this in North Mississippi or South Mississippi or wherever you're watching this, there's some agency there's some group in your community that's working with the poorest among you. First and foremost, your church should be. Your church should be able to provide Well, I know your church will. Your church is providing avenues for you to serve the least among us. I know your church is. If you don't know what your church is doing in this area, contact your preacher. If you're a member of St. Matthew's, holler at me, holler at Brian, holler at Aaron, holler at one of us. We would love to tell you how, what we're doing in our church to serve the poor. Through our benevolence ministries, through our jubilee ministries, through, through our partnerships with the different organizations in the metro area. We'd love to tell you what we're doing. And we'd love to help you find a way that you can serve the poor in our area, where you can serve the least of these in our area, where you can encounter Christ in a terrible disguise through your act of service. We'd love to point in that direction. So contact your local church. Contact us in St. Matthew's. We'd love to tell you. Look in your community. Whatever community you're part of, there's ways to serve. In the Madison area, we have partnered with Madcap in a lot of ways. Madcap does a great job serving the poorest among us, the least among us. And they do a great job of working to also um, to address the greater issues, not just meeting the symptoms of that moment, but addressing the greater issues. We've partnered with Trinity Hispanic Mission in forest. We've partnered. We have members of our church that work with our Shower Power, a wonderful ministry of our, in this area that, that, that helps provide things that we don't even think about, like cleanliness to those that are homeless. The worst thing about poverty is it strips away the humanity of people. The things that we take for granted. The poorest among us don't have access to it in many ways. See, our power is a great ministry in our Jackson Metro area. That we, I know people, you could love to help. Stew pot, Salvation Army. There's tons of areas that you could serve. Take that step. Take that first step to contact me or Brian or Aaron. Contact us in our, local ch- in our church. We'd love to help you. If you're not part of St. Matthew's, contact your preacher. They would love to help you. Take, that's one of the first easy steps you can do is contact one of us, and we'll point you in the right direction. Or step outside your comfort zone. One of the first steps we can do is to see the humanity in the poorest among us. I know I know we drive by and we see the homeless in Jackson. It's, it's it's tempting to look away. Let's not look away, y'all. I'm not telling you what you got to do. I'm not telling you how you need to address it. I'm not. I'm not. I will not play the Holy Spirit for you in this because I know the Holy Spirit's given me certain convictions of how I should help the poor. And I'll be very honest with you. One thing that I very rarely do is I very rarely give money. I, I support organizations. I'll i i I'll, I'll help with groceries. I will buy food for people. I've bought many a meal for people. I don't mind doing that. Not, But I'm not going to give money. That's not something I'm going to do. But you may feel compelled to do it. And if you feel compelled to do it, then do it. I'm not going to tell you what the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to do. But I'm going to tell you to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he compels you to do. And I think the first step to be compelled by the Holy Spirit to act, to help others, is to see others as worthy of help because far too often we look at the least of these among us and we do not always see them as worthy of our help and we've got to take our blinders off and listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25 and help the least of these for as we've done it to them so have we done it to Christ and we have that opportunity to commune with our Savior in those moments Christ compels us to do this y'all for in this not just Do we serve Christ? But Christ serves us. So there are things that you can do in our local church at St. Matthew's, in your local church wherever you're watching this. There's things that you can do in your own individual life. And there's causes and organizations that you can support. But I think it all starts with listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying where it is. He's commanded us to go. i got a friend of mine that I started ministry with years ago. A good, good group of us that kind of started seminary at the same time. And, and this, this, this friend of mine has uh, been a dear friend for many years. And, you know, I, I, I've told you before, as a preacher, I've, I've kind of out, I, both as a husband and as a preacher, I've, I've kicked my coverage, if you will. I don't deserve the wife and family I have, and I know I, I don't deserve a, to serve a church as awesome as St. Matthews. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of preachers in our conference who could do a better job here than I can. Um, so I've been incredibly fortunate in my life, but I, I got a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Greg Hazelrig, who I'm often jealous of in his ministry. Greg is a wonderful, one of the truly most Christian people I've known in my entire life. Great preacher, great pastor. But since I've known Greg, Greg's had a heart for the poor. And the last few years, he just on his own, he serves in DeSoto County, just started going up to Memphis, the downtown, and taking pizzas with him and giving pizza to the homeless in Memphis. And as he's listened to God's call and God's spirit, God has grown this ministry. So now, he has churches in the, in the Senatobia area partnering with him. He's taken health kits, he's taken coats, he's taken clothes, he's taken food. I, I talk about he has his uh, his homeless congregation in Memphis. But I see him now, and, and it's such a blessing to see what he has done for the least of these in Memphis. And how through his ministry he has served his Lord faithfully. But it's such a blessing to see how the Lord has served him. And how he is such a blessing to others because Christ's love just flows through him. And every time I'm talking to him, he's always an encourager. He's encouraged me in these COVID times. And I think the fact that he's such an encourager. And I think the fact that he's such... A servant of Christ flows from the fact that he has served Christ so well. And it isn't just that he has given to the least of these, but through the least of these, Christ has given back to him. And through that, he's given to me and to others. I think right now a lot of us feel stuck. I think a lot of us feel frustrated. I think a lot of us feel angry. A lot of us feel give out. I think the first place we can go to living a fulfilling life enjoys life again is to serve. Because I believe that when we serve, we meet Christ. So today in this Thanksgiving week, if your life, your faith feels stuck and dry, I'm going to ask you to consider how have you served someone? Specifically, how have you served the least among us? And I promise you, friends, that as we serve Christ through the least of these, Christ will meet us and restore us. The great theologian Bob Dylan once sang, you've got to serve somebody. Today, may that be ma- our mantra. May we see Christ in the terrible disguise that we encounter daily. And may we serve him. And may we encounter him daily. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Savior and for the life that he has given us. God, help us to serve him with joy through the least of these and help through our relationship with all the folks we meet, God, we we grow to fall more in love with Jesus and serve him with gladness every day. We love you. We thank you. We ask in the sweet name of our Savior, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.